Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 585 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be having music and chats with three groups of performers. Rob Bridge will be letting us know about his brand new single, True Romance. We'll be hearing about the latest album from Chris Bevington. And week 13 are in the studio. I'll be having a chat with Nick J. Townsend and their studio engineer, John Stewart, all about what's going on there. Also, we'll be finding out about a self-defence class taking place in Warsaw and hearing about Goz's cheesecakes as well. That's all coming up, but first of all... On Sunday the 13th of September, Songs of Praise will be taken over by Jamie Lonsdale. He joins me now on the line for a chat. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. Thank you so much for letting me be on your show. Well, oh, good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I think I'm in very good company in your case. Singer of many years and also somebody who's got some musicians together for the first time in a good while as well. Well, that's 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 right. We suddenly got the call up for my what will effectively be my BBC One TV debut. <laughs> and it it's going to be on the 13th of September, so not long now. So very little time. And they asked us to come up with four recordings. And obviously in three weeks, that was not very long. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, I am looked after by the very brilliant Robert Amory. And he's not only one of the best conductors in England today, but he's a very fine orchestrator. And so he wrote the orchestrations literally in about three or four days. He he booked um, Abbey Road Studios, which is the largest studios in London, where, of course, the Beatles recorded. Mm-hmm. And he asked 60 musicians to come along two separate days because, of course, the the wind section cannot mix with the string sections. So day one was strings and day two was, was brass. And the singers had to be separate as well. They all had to be three metres spacing, 12 singers in the choir. And then finally, Mary, Jess and myself as the soloists. And anyway, we've, we've come up with it. We're quite pleased... <laughs> with the result, and uh, in amazing time, it's all ready for the BBC. Uh, we had a lovely filming day in Plymouth, and when they told me that they were going to be filming in Plymouth Dockyard, which was their original intention, mm-hmm. before the wind decided to blow at 70 knots, <laughs> and we had to sort of take shelter in a church and do it there. Um, but, you know, I thought, well, actually, I was in the Royal Navy for five years, And it'd be quite nice to do the naval hymn. So Eternal Father Strong to Save is the first one that we did. And that's that's the one they've chosen to put out on the 13th of September. 
in songs of praise. Well, I mean, your singing history does say does go back a little while. Uh, your childhood you spent singing in choirs. Church was compulsory, but I'm sure it's uh, you know you you feel the the benefit of that to this day. Music has been your life, hasn't it? And and to be able to share this as a debut, as you say, on Songs of Praise on BBC One, that, that's it's quite a treat, but also a well-deserved honour, I think. Well, thank you. It, it, I came out with my debut album, which with a full orchestra. Um, during COVID, so that was rather challenging in itself to to come out. But we, I was much surprised when it launched at number ten in the classical album charts, and I think it's largely due to Robert's wonderful orchestrations. I tried to make sure that there was something for everybody. There's a bit of jazz, there love songs, there's my niche, which is heartbreak songs, and one or two religious songs Mm -hmm. and there seems to be sort of quite a lot of appeal what i'm really surprised about is that that 90 percent of listeners on spotify to my music are my children's ages which is you know from the age of 18 to 34 and that caught me by surprise i always thought you know i would appeal to slightly older audience but uh, that has been a, a, a wonderful encouragement to me to do more. And I'm going to come out with five new singles between now and Christmas. Well, the album Footprints, I'm sure, will be on the Christmas list for, for many people. The singles will, I know, prove popular too. And, and when it came down to the, the choice of songs on Footprints, how did that happen? Well, this was the first time that I got together and collaborated with my friends um, who are fellow singers, songwriters. And, and so I got together on two occasions. Um, and uh, the first occasion was with Mary Jess. And with, she had a pianist called John Butler. The three of us got together for a couple of hours and we came up with, I think, our hit songs, Set Yourself Free, Alleluia, and Circles. Mary Jess writes some beautiful songs herself. She she won X Factor, of course, in, in China. Mm-hmm. And then I was in Barbados on holiday a few months later, and I was introduced to the singer-songwriter. And again, it was the same formula. She knew a... a a very good jazz pianist. This so the singer was Sasky Lewison, and she knew Rhea Drakes, the best jazz pianist in in Barbados. And we borrowed the hotel gym just for a couple of hours from six o'clock to late one evening. And I couldn't believe it. We came up with nine new songs, and six of those are on the album. And the album itself has got 14 tracks, and one of those is yeah, the, the song that you were yeah, describing as being proud of there, Set Yourself Free, and you've got both uh, your studio and a, a bigger orchestral version of it as well. So how was that something that you, you chose to look at, to yeah, bring all those instruments that you love into one place? Well, I think Set Yourself Free, I have reminders to myself in my diary of things that are meaningful to me. And I thought if I could put those as messages in a song, 
And so a lot of the lyrics are things that I've, if you like, learned the hard way in life. And I've put them into, into song form. And Robert Amory likes, likes it so much. He said, Jamie, will you give me carte blanche to build the orchestra as I please? And I said, go on, Robert. That's, that's what he excels at. And it was so good that I believe it was actually Russell Watson who said to Robert when he heard it, he said, why don't you make an orchestral version just on its own? Mm-hmm. And so we, thank, thanks to Russell, we, we put in a, an extra track, the 14th track, set yourself free as just an orchestral version. And that, that's, that's rather nice in itself. We've got the music. We know it's popular, as I say, in an unexpected age range for you. The the career, as far as singing goes, I mean, this this is a debut. Dare I ask uh, your age, sir? Would you mind if I did that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm 61. And my message to people is that however old you are, it's never too late. And I started singing at 38. And at the bottom of my garden lived a musical couple giving singing lessons and i used to hear the most beautiful tones coming out of the window in the summer (laughs) and so eventually i i was brave enough to say betty her name was betty bleakley would you kindly consider teaching me and of course she had to audition me first and the downside was that she made me sing in her monthly concerts around <laughs> Oxfordshire. And the one thing I was terrified since the age of six, where I, I completely messed up a solo. And so for 32 years, I just didn't dare sing a solo. And Rolf Allwood, the great choral director, um, was at Pangbourne College, where I was at school. And we were very lucky to have him. And uh, he'd say, Jamie, will you sing the solo in the Christmas carols? And I'd say to him, Ralph, I don't mind being your head of choir, but please don't ask me to sing a solo. Mm -hmm. So it was my greatest fear. And, you know, another message I say to people is, look, take your greatest fear if you can and face it head on. Because if you can smash your fear, it's very empowering. And of course, with Betty, I think it it took three or four concerts for me to really begin to, much to my surprise, realise that I loved it. Well, I mean, it certainly sounds like you've uh, grasped this opportunity and your appearance on Songs of Praise on the 13th of September alongside that, what, 60-piece orchestra, bringing a total of around 70 people on these pieces recorded over two days. The performance that goes along with it, the television experience that it will be, and the album Footprints, which, as you say, has already hit the top ten in the classical charts. I think it's going well, and uh, yeah, long may this continue. Well, thank you so much, Jason. To find out more, I know we can go online. You have your own website. We're just looking for jamie-lonsdale.com. Of course, you can get the CD and stream through all the usual outlets. We've got to take a track. I'm going to let you choose it. Which one would you like to share off the album now? Oh, that's a difficult one. I think 
track number one, Set Yourself Free, with Mary Jess and I singing. Jamie Lonsdale, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Jason, and it'd be lovely to meet sometime in the future.
Chris Bevington has not only grown a beard compared to his most recent Facebook profile picture, he's also created some new music too, and he joins me now for a chat. Hello. Yes, it, this is my uh, COVID look. It's, um, it's rocking it really well, which is which is what we like. And uh, you've been rocking it out with some new music too. So uh, is the yeah. music influenced by the beard or the beard influenced by the music? <laughs> I think it's loads of time sitting there doing this, pondering. <laughs> you wear the sides out. You want to be careful with that. But there we go. I wear a lot of headphones. So that's the reason my hair's gone. So be careful. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I think it's gone great. I, I think the fourth album, it's caused it, it was blonde before. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think life can get us that way, can't it? So, yeah, you mentioned yeah. the fourth album. So, so what has been happening? What's, what's created this new musical world for you? Uh, I know it's a great, well, when we spoke with album number one back in 2014, amazing start, you know, something I didn't think would, um, you know, necessarily continue, you know, but uh, with the support of Scott and, Scott Ralph, Jim Kirkpatrick and the band, we went into album two, which was uh, semi-owned music because album one was, was was more copied stuff. Uh, album three, Cotton Rotten came out. That was all written by Scott and Jim. So we're on a good roll. And um, and the guys, when Cotton Run finished and then was out in 2018, they said, look, we won't uh, dwell on it. Let's let's start writing because they, they work like that. There's no time like the present <laughs> to get on. And uh, the November, I got a call in 2018 saying, look, we, we're getting some songs together now. So um, it's looking good. And 2019, so we went for it in 2019 and, and managed to finish it, uh, I think it was about June, wasn't it? June this year, which uh, was really good. But they, they wrote them very quickly kind of thing. They had a vibe. They used uh, some influences as well that came in from... Um, it was, I think all musicians after this, there was a prayer book that they got from the 1920s. I know it's weird, a Methodist prayer book. And they went through this prayer book with all the different titles and connotations and words and verses and stuff like that and just sat there reading it. And out of that came ideas for songs, uh, vibes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, and then it was recorded at Scott's studio. And then we were all then laid on top, gone in and and done, done a thing and had Chris Aldridge obviously on um, saxophone, which has been brilliant from Climax Blues. He's come in as well, but it's our own work, which I think is lovely. So, um, so what are we looking for? Give us the full title. Where can we find it? So we got the, the full title, Sand and Stone. Sand and Stone, uh, the title came very early. Um, then that came from a lot of the uh, songs themselves, uh, tracks like Deep River, and things like that. But I, for me, the album kind of feels like it's gone, there's some very mellow tracks and there's some quite hard, aggressive tracks, but there's a real vibe through it. So so we named it Sand and Stone uh, pretty early doors and then uh, Scott's put the lyrics to it and, um, and all that stuff. We've had all the artwork done and, and really gone to town this time, you know, but we've taken the time. I mean, obviously COVID, do we, don't we? We got to about March. Everybody was a bit uncertain, but I, I felt like it was good to carry on. And it, uh, and I know some people said, well, don't release it now. Maybe this, this and this. But do you know what? I don't think, I don't think, you know, I think it's good to, to just get it out there. And we, we made number one this week in the IBBA chart. So astonished you know well, well congratulations on that and you, uh, yeah. that, but but well deserved with the amount of effort you've put into it and the and the sound itself and uh, this is um 
this one you, you've got the music video for the title track from and uh, you know you've got some some real you know, quality behind this and that's what you do each time isn't it i do my best I, I it's a funny thing i think i got it from a granted probably is is if you're going to do it do it try well first of all give it 100 percent. you know from your effort and love do do that but if you can if you can really put a lot of effort in every part of it it makes it more special so all the artwork has just been it's really been done properly and 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 all the printing and i haven't gone for the you know if it costs me x amount for the printing and publicity and it's better than uh a, another option to save money then it's a no you know, I've always said, no, no, you know, like I've tried to price things right and only taken the minimal I can, you know, um, all with the merchandise and the T-shirts and all that, just as least as I can. But, um, yeah, it was important to me that the whole thing, because in a few years' time I can pick it up, can't I, and say, you know, you, 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 we did it, you know, we did 100% and, mm -hmm. and did a bet, you know. It's for the love of it, isn't it, I think, at the end of the day. And I think it has to be that with music. Not only is hopefully it going to give some sort of financial reward based on the time, effort and skill that you're putting into it, but it has got to be something that you love doing and, and you, know, you can feel right in the creative process that you've got there. And yeah. the, with the, the team that you have and the, the way you, you're sharing this music and putting it out, yeah, this really is not only that labour of love, but something that people will buy into too. And I think that's that's the other important thing. I mean, four albums down the line, yeah, people have got to yeah. believe in you, otherwise you wouldn't have uh, continued. It, it it wouldn't have happened, would it? No, it's true. And I owe a lot to, you know, like yourselves and everybody, you know, the, all the different people. There's people who buy the music, come to the gigs, follow us, you know, all, um, I don't know, all the festivals. But yeah, I think... I just always try and be honest. I'm just doing it to create the best music we can. I don't want anything else. I, I don't want money or I don't, I don't really don't. I just want uh, a quality music and get it out there, you know, and, um, and enjoy it as well. You know, that's all, I, that's all I want. But the support's been fantastic, you know, from everybody. Well, we'll take a listen to the title track off the album. Meanwhile, though, where do people go to, to yeah, pick up on this and, uh, and find out more about all that and the entire back catalogue too? If they would like to, and it'd be much appreciated, obviously it's online, uh, but the best place to go for the band and, 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 and funding and all the rest is my website, which is uh, www.chrisbemingtonorganisation.com, one word, uh, and then forward slash shop. In there is album one, two, three, and four. There's all kinds of things. There's vinyl. I'm doing a special offer, and, and this really isn't any money on this. So you get both vinyls. Cotton Run is a double vinyl, and the new Sand and Stone vinyl, and the whole thing is £15 plus postage. So, you know, so that's, that's, that's what I'm doing there. But everything's on there, and if somebody wants to look, you know they're more than welcome or it's it's obviously streamable and all the rest so yeah yeah so uh, wherever you get your music you can get it but chris bevington organization is uh, what you're looking for online and you can find the man on facebook and uh, see more of the history and the work that's gone into it and see what he looks like without the facial hair chris bevington always good to talk to you thank you for joining us thank you absolute pleasure thanks for the support again then you make your way to the top of the pit Get in the cage, shoved in. Some people say it's like a couple of shoved in and dropped down the hole. That's it.
stepping in the cool so that was
Amy Gosnell is handcrafting cheesecakes in the heart of Wolverhampton and is online as a business to tell us more. She's with me now. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm alright, thank you. And uh, I, I, we find you in the kitchen and I'm hoping there's some cheesecake that's not too far away because it has to be one of my favourite foods. Uh, but uh, you've got a, a great range. And how long have you been working on Gozzi's cheesecakes? Um, I've only made the page for three weeks. Yeah. Um, it's going well at the minute. I'm very busy. So this is something new. It's a new business venture for you and uh, a yeah. chance to share some fantastic recipes. And uh, I know you've been working hard by uh, uh, putting some absolutely brilliant uh, options together. So tell us about how this came about. What actually happened? A love of cheesecake, I'm going to guess, to start off with. Well, I've always grown up with food for passion in my household. My um, parents are trained chefs. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always baked since a child. But um, it happened in lockdown, Reno. Um, I was baking cheesecakes and um, I took them round for my friends and they all was like, no, these are amazing, Amy, like, you need to sell them, blah, blah, blah. I was on holiday with my brother and he was like, well, if you've got nothing to lose, just do it. So I did it and it's just gone mental from there, really. Well, I mean, everybody needs some cheesecake in their life. It's a great feel good food. Obviously not too much because it is absolutely packed full of calories, <laughs> uh, but um, it's, it's, it's certainly a very, very enjoyable way to, to get... You know, your little treats and uh, you know as, as part of a, a sensible diet you can certainly enjoy cheesecake can't you and I think yeah, uh, it, with, with the top of which one of, of your range is your favourite tell us a bit about what you do uh, my favourite one at the moment is Jaffa cake I've mm. got a Jaffa cake one here okay so. if you would care to model a Jaffa cake uh, cheesecake for us let's take a little look what, do we, what have we got well I haven't done it yet but we've got it here that's the the start of it right so and i've just got to decorate it that's all yeah um but this one's my favorite because it's like a jaffa cake and a cheesecake so i've got the base at the bottom and then i have um some chocolate i layer a spread of chocolate on the bottom mm -hmm. and then i have jelly as well and then i do the normal cheesy bit at the top but that one's i've had a lot of feed, good feedback off this one I can imagine that sounds absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so the, the, the Jaffa cake reimagined in cheesecake form. And it's taken that bit of creativity and doing something a bit different, which has really yeah, brought it home to all of your customers over you know, the, the best part of a month now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, how are you selling? I mean, uh, obviously lockdown has started to ease, so uh, you can do socially distanced, contact-free cheesecake delivery, I'm going to guess. Yes, yeah, I either do collection or delivery. Um, but it's mainly in Wolverhampton at the moment. Yeah. And are there maybe a few coffee shops out there that could start taking your cakes? If they if they hear about this, are you willing to serve them that way? Yeah, I'm interested in that. At the moment, it's just crazy. I've um, just got that many orders. I think I started the page three weeks ago, and I've already had, I've made over 35 cheesecakes in three weeks. That's not bad. It's 10 cheesecakes a week, that's a good start. So, uh, uh, yeah. obviously proving popular. Uh, so uh, people can just find the, the page on Facebook and get along, like it, have a chat and discuss the cheesecake yeah. options. Because I, I know you've got Rolos in there, uh, Bueno, uh, Maltesers. What else can they enjoy on top of the cheesecake? Uh, cake? Yeah, there's basically a, a uh, massive Jaffa cake. Yeah, yeah, there's one Kinder Bueno, there's milk chocolate Kinder Bueno, Malteser, um, Rolo, Oreo. That's mm. one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think now, but I am, um, on a weekend, I do trial um, new ones to see um, what they're like. Um, this weekend, I've tried um, a Jammy Dodger one. 
Oh, that sounds like a promising one. Yeah. I, I think I may be having to put my name down for one of those at some point, so we'll have to uh, talk more on this one and we can test it out. But uh, again, it's, it's about the creativity, about starting up something as, uh, as a business and say so with the chefing background in your family, then uh, you're particularly yeah. well placed for all this. And uh, uh, does this mean there's a bit of a fight for the kitchen now as you're trying to run your business out of there? Yeah, yeah, there is. It's, um, I have to make sure I have slotted appointments with them because if not, it's carnage in the kitchen. <laughs> we, we don't want that. <laughs> so uh, where do people go to to find out more about the cheesecakes? What are we looking for? On Facebook and Instagram, if you um, just type in Gozzy's Cheesecakes, it should come up and you can have a look on there. So, Gossie's Cheesecakes is what we're looking for. Well, Amy, the chef behind all of this, congratulations on the startup. Keep up the good work and keep putting smiles on people's faces with cheesecake at a very reasonable rate. Lovely, thank you. <laughs>
so I'm using the same band that I've had around me for for a few years. Everybody's on the on the tracks on the album, and yeah, everybody's enjoying it. So with the let's say the tours and the performances you do, that that's brought probably a maturity to your music as well, which gives you the opportunity to to really say something when you are putting pen to paper and writing a song. That's a really polite way of saying it, but yeah, a bit <laughs> maturity to the music. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, the, the songs are songs. They're just songs like I would like to hear on the radio, like I, I would like to play. You know, there's, there's only, when you're playing in a band, you can, you can write your own material. Sometimes it's rubbish. Sometimes people don't like it, whatever. Um, you can play covers and get paid, um, which is what everybody does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we were doing. But there's only so many times you can sing certain songs and then you think, well, you know, I can't, I don't, I'm not saying I could do any better than this, but I can certainly do something that's more fun for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, once it is your story that you're singing about, actually, uh, or something at least it's come from your own mind, you, you've got a, a great opportunity to, to put even more passion into it. You know, you, you know the song, so you know how the original artist may have wanted to get it across. You tell your own version of, of, of a story there, but when it is your own music, and you know, you, the people you have around you are helping share that, and they've been part of the process that has brought this to the stage. The whole creative process is a, is a fantastic experience. From the, I mean, writing songs can be quite a, a lonely endeavour. You know, you sat by yourself, empty piece of paper in front of you and a guitar, and you're thinking, right, what can I talk about here? But once you get the idea and you start working on it, you know, you finish, you come up with something finished, and then you might get a few of the guys around or go into the studio and say, listen, I've got the song, do you want to help me through with it? And that's very nerve-wracking, actually. That's more nerve-wracking than having the song played on the radio or playing the song at a gig, actually playing the song for the first time in his bare bones to musicians and friends who you trust and like. Uh, I mean, you can imagine, we, you know, there's a lot of Mickey taking <laughs> goes on in, uh, in our rehearsals and, and the laughing factor is a problem. You can't get anything done, there's too much laughing going on. But when we do actually put our heads down, it can be quite nerve wracking. Guys, I've got this song and you're just thinking they're just going to laugh at you and walk out of the room. But, you know, quite often, they're keen to be involved and they can see that, you know, they, they like the song as well, secretly, I'm sure they, they love it. Yeah, well, the thing is, they wouldn't rib you if it wasn't good enough to rib you about it. That's, <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? That's true. If it was awful, they'd have walked. But, yeah. That, yeah, that, but they're also bringing some of themselves to the song too. And uh, did you find that the, the, the music developed once you were in the studio? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, because... You know, I can I can play a couple of different instruments. Don't play any any of them particularly well. <laughs> but the, the bass player I've got in the band, Chris, and the drummer Andy, you know, and everybody, Gareth, they've all got different talents and they've all got different strengths. But they're all excellent at what they do. And, and now you'd kind of be expecting to to tour with this album. Obviously, not quite going to be the case just yet. Fingers crossed, we're not too far away from being able to see do some live gigs with it. So, how are yeah. you looking at uh, really pushing not only the single but the the, the, the great work that you've got down there with a, with a multi-track album? If, if we do all right with the single, then the album will take care of itself. Uh, at the moment, there's 12 songs on the album. I'm not sure that all the songs I've recorded for it will be on the final album. I'm writing constantly. I've got other songs now which were in the demo process. But we, you know, the plan was to release it, gig it, and and see, just see what happens. I mean, just, just have a bit of fun with it and see where we go with it. As you're aware, the situation now has put the blocks on everything. But yeah, we're very keen to gig and we'll be looking at festival dates. Uh, we were booked into a festival in, uh, in Kentucky that's unfortunately canceled. And that would have led to a bit of a road trip around Clarksdale, Mississippi, et cetera, where we can play. 
Uh, we've got good contacts out there and we can get plenty of gigs. In this country, um, you know, we're going to do festivals, whatever we can get into, really. We mm -hmm. haven't got a booking agent lined up, so we'll be looking for one of those. Okay, well, that will be the future. However, the now is the release of True Romance. And this song, is it a particular pertinent to any particular part of your life? No, it's a story. It's a romantic outlaw story. It's a couple on the run. It's sort of got a, a B-movie, Tarantino-esque kind of vibe. Uh, and it's just a, it's just a, a nice story. Um, that's how the song developed. I wanted to write something in that vein. Um, and yeah, this is what came out. So the single's on the way. Where can we get hold of that? Well, you'll be able to download it on iTunes and all the other sites. You'll be able to stream it. And uh, yeah, Spotify it should be everywhere. So we're looking for to hear it on the radio. Well, absolutely. We're about to hear it now. Rob Bridge, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Good to speak to you.
Anna Taylor and Mark Grant are teaching an excellent way of self-defence to groups in Warsaw. To tell us more, I'm joined by them both now. Hello. Good morning. Uh, all right. How are we doing? Fine, thank you. Yourself? All, all good here. Now, the method of self-defence that you teach, I cannot pronounce, so I'm going to have to let you two guys do that. So, uh, volunteers, please. Uh, who's going who's to tell me what it's called? Well, it's called Krav Maga and uh, Kapap. They're both similar kind of self-defences, but with this self-defence, it's not about the scoring points, it's about getting yourself home back to your loved ones. Me, I like to get home so I can play my PlayStation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So, that's what it is, basically, getting out of a serious situation. Straight away, we teach people how to get out of that situation the best they can and uh, minimise the damage. And what sort of age ranges are you working with here? Because, uh, obviously, everybody is potentially at risk, but it's also about having confidence as well, isn't it? And I think that's, that's as much part of it. No one is going to go out there having done this to you know, pick a fight. They are going to purely be there knowing that they can defend themselves if necessary. Yeah, well, the actual makeup of the the system that we uh, utilise, it's uh, it's pretty simplistic. We're working with with the flinch response. So if someone's going to going to attack me, throw a fist, you'd probably flinch. But from that flinch, we'd we'd create a block and start to uh, counter, and if need be, disarm and dis disengage and get away. Kind I mean, of you're never too young to start. We do a children's class that goes on to an adult class as well, so they progress through the stages. And is this something that people do the class on and then stop coming, or is it then potentially that they want to then share this with others and, and, and keep coming week after week to, to keep their skills in check and make sure that they're ready for anything should it happen? Well, it's proliferating by the minute, and it's basically word of mouth. Uh, I have got a, a website, but it's, I'm not getting people through the web, website, if you know what I mean. It's mm -hmm. more uh, Facebook, people see it, and they think, well, that's attainable. I can do that because we put on simple kind of techniques what I, could be attained by anyone. And then when they come and see what we're actually doing in more detail, it's, it's so addictive and uh, they start bringing their friends, family members and so forth. And yeah. Andrew, particularly you're working with the, uh, the kids group. And, and how do they take to it? Because you, you don't want to put fear into them beforehand, but they must be aware that the, the world out there isn't always good. And that's what we teach. It's awareness, knowing what kind of situation you're in, knowing how you can get out of it safely to get home, to tell someone to scream. Your most powerful weapon you've got is your voice. And believe me, then kids can scream. <laughs> and that's what we teach them. If you can scream and shout, that's what you do. If you can run away, you run away. You don't have to get into a fight. Mm -hmm. You just need to get home. Yeah, yeah. We teach them firstly to run away and then to make themselves big. Use your voice, you know, make people see, make them aware what's going on kind of thing. So that's the first thing we teach because you don't have to get into a confrontation because you, it's a gamble. It will be a gamble. So we teach them if you can get away, get away. Yeah. So, and it, it yeah. is the whole stranger danger situation. And uh, you know, since I was a kid, I mean, we've, we've talked about the, uh, the threats that uh, are out there, uh, m making sure that it is your parents you are going, uh, leaving the school gates with, not believing if somebody comes along and tells you, no, so-and-so said to come and fetch you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely has to make sure that they, they know who they are dealing with. But in this world where we've now not only got real life, but also cyber, uh, attacks potentially, which can then lead to real life meetings. You actually mm. need to make sure that you know, they are prepared 
to be able to get themselves out of a difficult situation. And when someone's a teen with a mobile phone, parents are finding it really difficult to, uh, to, to monitor who they're talking to. And as long as they know how to get themselves out of a difficult situation, that's a bit of peace of mind. You still don't want them in that situation, but you know if they do find themselves there, they can do something about it. And that's why it's important to teach them from a young age, because once that's set into the mindset, they've got it. They've got it for life. Mm -hmm. And they're less likely to put themselves in danger in the first place if they know what really could be out there. That's right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like absolutely fantastic work that you're doing and, uh, you know, bringing uh, people together to really have an opportunity to, to just have that confidence to, to, know, to feel safe and to know what to do if something uh, bad does happen. And so that goes throughout life, doesn't it? There isn't any point where we shouldn't have an uh, awareness. But it builds up an awareness of what's around you. Not putting, again, not scaring people, but just making them aware of when they could be in danger. Yeah, that, yeah, that's totally right. We try not to make them paranoid or anything like that. Say if they're on a train or something, we'll t try and teach them to sit near to the exit or sit, you know, by someone or whatever to just be aware of their environment kind of thing. If they're going to a pub, we teach them to always look for a getaway or so forth and that kind of thing. We, we teach them as well if they're walking and they've got the bags, say a carrier bag, mm -hmm. to use the bag as a defensive tool yeah. or even a, a, a striker kind of thing. So, yeah, we teach them quite yeah. a lot to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what kids are like on the school playground as well? They'll grab each other by the shirts, by the collars, whatever. Sometimes it can be nasty. So we teach them how to get out of that, how to just break that clinch when they've got the the T-shirt or the shirt. Mm -hmm. So it's about getting out of not confronting. And it's, yeah. it's, it's that uh, avoidance which is yeah, the important part you're teaching here. And uh, an essential toolkit to have. But again, it's, a, it, it's, it's purely defence. This isn't a sport that we're looking at here. This is where we are trying to ensure the, the safety of youngsters of uh, each gender and uh, any background because everyone could be at risk at some time. Correct, correct. Yeah. It's all about getting home getting home, minimising any kind of damage, psychological or physical. So yeah. that's what we're all about. Yeah. yeah. And then particularly if someone's assailant could be carrying a knife or other concealed weapon, you just say you just want to get out of there. You don't want to take them on. You want to get away. And uh, yeah, right. this this is yeah, something which uh, which can help here. So as you say, you do have a website, even though uh, it may be a little underused. At this moment in time, we're going to push people towards taking a look at it to find out where you are and how they can get hold of you. So where do they go to online? Right, at the moment we're under British Krav Maga Walsall, but you'll find Mark on there, but we get a lot of publicity through his Facebook page, so if you have a look at Mark Grant, there are loads of videos on there about what we do, we've got um, the school, pictures of the school on there, videos of everybody that takes part, it'll show you scenes of how to keep yourself safe. And are you going to have to spell the name of the website for me? Right, so it's British Krav Maga, which is B R I T I S H Krav K R A V Maga M A G A, all one word. So simple uh, as that, and uh, you, yeah. you you can go along, find out more. As I say, look out for Mark Grant online. Uh, he can help you out and uh, get you into a class which could literally change. The, uh, a situation from a, a hugely negative one to one which you can get away from without 
uh, you know, anything other than a minor uh, scuffle. Well, thank you both for joining us. Thank you for the work that you're doing and uh, continued success in uh, looking after uh, you know, people ac across our area who, who need that confidence and the ability to be able to get out of a difficult situation. And it's Adam Margrave, yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah, and thank, thank you, you, Jason. And we, we give you uh, an invitation to come down and see what we actually do if you've uh, got the time to do so. Certainly, we'll look at doing that and uh, we can then uh, make sure that uh, we can spread the message even further. Thanks again. Thank okay, you. cheers, thank you. Appreciate that. Week 13 are working on some new material to tell us more. I'm joined now by Nick J. Townsend and their studio engineer, John Stewart. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Nice to see you. Good to see you too. Oh, well, good to have you along. And uh, obviously, Nick, we've, we've spoken in the past and explored some of uh, your world, and it tends to extend massively outside the music. There's an awful lot going on generally. I don't know how you have a chance to fit all of this in, but what's going on with Week 13 at the moment? Jason, I don't sleep. <laughs> That's how you do it. Just don't sleep. That, that's the answer. But you say you've been working on new music, and it, it's it, it must be a strange creative process you have going on there. At the moment, uh, we're all going through a lockdown, so um, I've just uh, adapted. Uh, a lot of musicians are concerned, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. the, the entertainment industry is suffering a lot. But you just got to look at your strengths and, and uh, the things you can't do, you got to wait for um, until things uh, become more normalised. You've just got to look at what you can do. And I've just um, looked at my strengths, what I'm best at doing. Um, some musicians are just sat waiting for everything to blow over. And I'm not really one for waiting, so I'm just <laughs> keeping very busy. And, and John, is it, what's it like working in the studio with these guys at the moment? Uh, because see, obviously, the, the creativity must be raucous at the best of times. It's great working with these guys. Um, they're always prepared, which is always good. Um, so sessions usually go pretty smoothly. Um, and we're a bit lucky, really, in the fact that we've got quite a lot of tracking groundwork done before lockdown kicked in. So mm -hmm. even though there's been obviously there's been obvious delays and all studios and people in the industry have been affected, but I can still get on with stuff under lockdown. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword, but um, we're just starting to re-pick it up literally as of yesterday. So we'll see where that goes. Well, there's always you see, because there's um, mixing, there's a mastering. Um, there's obviously laying down guitars. There's the uh, production side of it. I could just sit around waiting for the entertainment industry to sort of um, start up again, but you've got to be a bit independent and you, you've just got to work, do as much as you can. And um, we, we've got to have a product at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, that product, though, is one that has seen you travel the world, featuring all sorts of other media. And uh, so that, that sort of madness is, is set to continue, I'm going to guess. Uh, well, I mean, you've been very polite there, Jason. When you say travel the world, you make me sound like an explorer. <laughs> I just... Angeles, really. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's big enough. I mean, with the stuff that happens uh, with, with, with the, when you put music out there, you never know quite what's going to happen next. So what can we expect this time around? Where, where are we at? Uh, because obviously it's, it's an album you're working towards. We've already heard you've got some tracks that were uh, laid down to, as, as the basis before lockdown. Has, has lockdown shaped what we're going to see? We're like squirrels. We're storing nuts. Um, <laughs> 
it's a good it's a good thing to bring up because when the lockdown first happened, I've got a lot of friends in the music industry, and some of them had albums that were going to release that week, and I kind of said, "Don't do it yet." And uh, but no offense to them, they they did it, and I, I was like thinking that's the worst time to do it, and I hate being right because everyone was on social media more concerned about other things. Yeah. Which is Understandable. Sensible. Yeah. So you have all this information being missed, including new albums, new films, and then when things got to a point where, right, we, we kind of know what we're doing, we're all staying at home, and um, now we're going to listen to media and stuff, um, a lot of musicians took it upon themselves to throw themselves into a certain direction, live streaming, um, indoor gigs and stuff and everything, but there wasn't a music shortage. Mm-hmm. So everyone was doing it. After a while, it just seemed to be a, a mess of people playing guitar at home, and, and suddenly it turned into like a kind of home X Factor contest. <laughs> and then after a few weeks, I think a few musicians, it must have dawned on them that, uh, hang on, I don't want to do this for a career, sat on the couch playing this. So they, you saw less and less of them, to the point where you just see a few now, and now we're going to try and work out, right, what do we do next? Well, the thing is, when me and Wesley, Wesley and me run week 13, mm. we um, worked out a two-year plan. And we, we, we've like uh, been in the process of um, organizing music videos. We've got a double album. Um, because here's the one thing most musicians are, are not actually prepared to think about. What if venues don't open for two years? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Sit waiting for two years? Are you going to be streaming every single song you've ever written and, and for the next two years on your couch? I mean, that's not a career. No. And we know that over recent years, uh, it's, it's moved from a tour that promoted an album to an album that promotes a tour as the touring and live performance is where the money has, has, has moved to, particularly with more and more online live streaming. And again, we're now seeing that that, that kind of taken a, a, away. So uh, it, once again, we need to have new material which is available on paid services, whether it be the likes of Spotify and buying on things on iTunes music and that sort of stuff. Um, or, and physical vinyl and CDs that actually get shipped to people's houses. People are always going to love music, and um, a lot of musicians are starting to realise now they've got to create product, you know, like uh, make an album, release a new single. We're doing a double album because our fans have had a really good album, and now they want another good album, so we thought, well, let's make one twice as big. (laughs) It's got like, it's a bit of an experiment for us because we've never written that many songs and we just want to make sure everyone's hit worthy. No duds, because every song's good. But that's just our approach. And as we do that, we'll have music videos going for each one. And we've got our own film company. So we just film it all ourselves. So not every band is in that position, but each band's got to look at their strengths and work out what they can do during this situation. We've assessed what's happened and we've realised what we're best at. So for the next two years, we pretty much know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If everything closes and and uh, stays closed and venues don't open for two years, I'm not saying that won't affect us, 
but we're not going to let it. Yeah, you, you, you will get through this. And as I say, many people may not be as prepared, but certainly uh, the music industry itself needs to take a look and see what it can do to, to make this available. Good that you're doing everything you can. So when can we expect to see this, this monstrous dual album then? I would love to give a date, but we... We have to be realistic. And you continue to be creative, so that's that's the thing. It, the creativity isn't going to stop and it's just going to grow, isn't it? I, I, I could see about next summer. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see April next year. But we're going to see how things work. Uh, what we are going to do, we are going to release a single before the double album, mm -hmm. um, right about November or Christmas, like a taster. But we've got, we've, we, want, we don't want to rush this. Because we've spent a lot of time on this. John is a great engineer. We've been um, coming here for years um, for, for the last album and to this double album. Uh, there's a relationship between the engineer and the musicians. And me and Wesley uh, wouldn't sound as good as we do without someone with the intelligence to work out what we're doing and do things we need done. Yeah, and John, you've got to sit there and, uh, and take some ideas, help them convert it into something you can actually put down onto a digital tape. And before you know it, you've then got to hone those sounds and, and overlay and, and do whatever is necessary to make the, the, the big cinematic sound that you're going to get from week 13. Well, what makes things um, easier is that the, the, song, the songs are already really well constructed. Mm -hmm. So... What I mean by that is that you'd be, there's probably other engineers that have come across it somewhere, but sometimes songs need work to get them to where the artists might have them in their head. But a lot of the Week 13 stuff is already pretty that, pretty close, pretty there. Um, going back to your previous question on when the album is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but the, but the plan would be to... We're probably about 50% there with the tracking. And then due to the first hit of lockdown, they kind of looked out in some ways because I got to spend more time than usual <laughs> editing and mixing and kind of getting it to where I want it. Um, so the, the plan would be to get the, the other 50% tracked. And in the case of, and I don't want to be, I'm just purely speculating here, but if there was, in the event of a secondary lockdown, which we don't know about or you know, at least I've got all the stuff done and I can work on that If the, in, in that event. Hopefully that won't happen and we can just um, plod along. I mean, everything's kind of changed at the moment, just for safety aspects. It's one-to-one -one sessions at the moment, mm -hmm. you know, and... Um, you have to wear a mask sometimes. But you have week uh, 13 masks, which is what counts. We're, we're just trying to be a bit, you know savvy with things at the moment and we've been i think we've been sensible we didn't jump back into things straight away i mean like i say yesterday was pretty much our first session i know there's lots of studios that opened earlier and they're in a position where they could and um you know we've we've just tried to be sensible about it but it's like everything you try and get these things done as quickly as possible you know as, as quick as you can um but unfortunately this year I think it was an unforeseeable event that no one was really prepared for, and mm -hmm. everyone's kind of everyone's just kind of doing what they need to do to kind of pick things back up on on, on the business front and, and adapt. Even after Jones finished um, his work, we then have to send it to another engineer for mastering. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, I'd love to say next summer. <laughs> but 
We will see. The important thing is it'll be right when it comes out. We've seen that from the music that we've had in the past. So where can people go to to get the back catalogue and also keep an eye on that uh, all-important release date? Uh, well, we've got the main site, uh, week13.co.uk, but you just type W-E-A-K-1-3 in any search engine and you'll get uh, music videos, Spotify, Amazon. I mean, we're quite fortunate we're on all these sites, um, but you have to keep creating new stuff. So what we are doing, uh, the next thing people can hear and see is just before Christmas, we're, we're actually... We've covered a, uh, a French band. Um, there's a track they've done called Mary. It's a band that we toured with a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they're great French musicians. I said, I would love to cover one of your songs, and that they might cover one of ours back. And um, we're going to be releasing that um, just before Christmas, and there'll be a nice music video. We filmed, we already filmed the music video. That was filmed at the Robin 2. Mm -hmm. And one thing that can help a lot of these venues because they can't actually um, be totally open to the public the way they used to. Um, we, we hired out a venue for a music video. Now we had to pay for that, but that's also a great way of donating to a venue. So they get something, we get something. And I mean, people could, could just donate to venues anyway, but they want to be busy doing stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can't be uh, opening um, our 500 capacity venue full, but if musicians start using their brains and thinking about how they can work together with venues, um, it, can ha it can help them. Because if they can't open for 12 months, they need stuff to do. That's actually a really good point. Mm. And I know, there's some, I know there's some certain venues in Coventry that have opened up to let bands rehearse in. So there's options there. Yeah. Bands always have places to rehearse and some of these pub venues, they have more space, maybe, so you can get more of a feel of a live, a live rehearsal, if that well, makes sense. Plus you can socially distance as you rehearse as well, because you don't want to cause any problems uh, you know, with, uh, with transmission that way. So actually a bigger rehearsal space can, uh, can make a, a, a big difference to, to what you're trying to do. So we know where we're going to, we know what we're looking out for, and we know there's a great team working on it to, uh, to bring Week 13's latest works to our ears and our well, eyes. Is in the business. He's a, he's a bit like modest. The guy is a genius. Really. <laughs> I don't know about that. I paid Nick a lot of money just to say that. Just for that. <laughs> yeah, but that's to the album costs. <laughs> 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 well, it's going to be well worth a listen, whatever happens. We know that. Nick J. Townsend and engineer John Stewart, thank you both for joining us. Thank, thank you. you.
That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Back with episode 586 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.